Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome in, everybody, to Scout's Eye on Football. I am Chris Landry, and uh, it. Uh, it is National Early Signing Day. It's a Wednesday, December 16th. Appreciate you joining us here today. A reminder that if you're watching this show live, um, uh, and I know a bunch of you are going to jump on here just in a little bit on Twitch TV, welcome. We welcome your comments uh, and thoughts. Uh, do this show and do the Landry Football Podcast solo. So I can maybe get to the comments a little bit better than I can in some of the other shows. So send them over and we'll integrate them into the topics du jour. Um, want to remind you that if you're listening to this podcast, if you're listening through LandryFootball.com, if you're listening it uh, through Audio Boom, um, want to remind you that you can watch us live on Twitch TV. Go to LandryFootball.com, hit uh, follow Chris on Twitch and you can um, watch us uh, and watch us do the show live and make sure that you subscribe um, really important. Then you'll be able to get the show uh, notified when, when the show, when we're getting ready to do a show and then you can cheer us on a few bits. Um, we really appreciate that. So um, it is national signing day, early signing day. Um, and uh, we are going to keep you up to date not here uh, in this hour. It's just we're going to have a lot of things updated. Follow me on Twitter at LandryFootball, but most important, LandryFootball.com. We've got all the latest recruiting information there. If you want to know about these players that are going to sign today, got the top 300 that I've evaluated on film. i evaluated more than that. These are the top 300, uh, and I've got them listed. Um if you can uh, get get a chance, go to LandryFootball.com, check that out. And you can not only see kind of where the players are going, or as they announce today, as we don't know 100% where they're going to go, when they announce, you know what they're getting. You know a little bit of a, their skill set. So great opportunity to uh, check that out and uh, see that. So LandryFootball.com is where you want to go for your recruiting information. Got some storylines um, as well that I'm looking for, some teams that I'm kind of looking at. Uh, signing day is uh, always interesting. Um, I do want to say, and then I'm going to get into some other, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the playoffs. We're going to look preview a little bit of what happened last week and what is, I think, to look forward to in the conference championship week in college football. And then we'll get into a little NFL talk as well. The coaching search stuff. 
you can find all of that at LandryFootball.com as well. Uh, but we'll have the complete uh, signing day stuff and recaps. And as things are going on, we're going to keep you up to date over at Landry Football. Uh, we've got the list of all the um, look at uh, when players are going to announce and where they're going to announce for and the schools that are uh, in contention. So early signing day is not a new thing now. It's been around for, gosh, what, three years, four years. Um, as a former recruiting coordinator, it certainly changed over the years as it's become more public and there's at least a perception as to uh, ideas of what people think are the best players and what have you. And basically, so you know all these five-star, four-stars, the way these the other groups do it is they gather information. And the ones that the coaches say are the best, that's how they go about it. It's not so much that these groups uh, evaluate players and say who's the best they basically just whoever they think is the best. So if Clemson and Alabama and Ohio state are recruiting a player, they're probably going to get more five stars than somebody that, you know, Wake Forest, Duke and Vanderbilt are recruiting. It's just kind of the way it is. There'll be two stars and three stars. Um, I do a lot of consulting work. I don't look at 5,000 high school kids. I don't have time with everything else I'm doing, but I do look at a number of players and I get my lead of a, of a list that's manageable to look at through college coaches. And what I'm asked to do is give my evaluation as to who I like. And a lot of who's the best, like in the draft, really depends upon what scheme and your style that you run. So there's certain guys that are going to be the best regardless. And then there's some guys that are going to be a, a, a higher up, should be higher up on your recruiting board here and maybe this other guy's a little bit higher there because of the schematic fit. But in general, um, I do not like early signing day in December. I think it's a, um, I think it's a disaster of the college football calendar. Um, look, I think an early signing day is fine for kids that want to decide where they want to go. Have an early signing day. Have an early signing day. Having an early signing day in December as opposed to February is ridiculous. It's not much time. And all it all it's done is, well, we'll get it out of way before the holidays. You want to have an early signing day, have it in July. Um, have it in July. It would be big. It, it maybe would only be 40% of the players. But think about the excitement in the summer of a signing day, talking about players that, okay, they've been offered. They decided they want to go to University X whether it's 20, 30, 40%, it would be exciting. Then you get the the football season and, and the signing day should be the first Wednesday in March. It would then allow anybody that's had coaching changes to put their coaching staffs together and to finish up the recruiting year. Can you imagine trying to sit there and figure out your recruiting classes at places that have made a coaching change or maybe the possibility of making changes, not just the head coach, which has a domino effect on your staff, of course, but what about maybe the possibility there could be a coordinator change here or there, a position coach change here or there. Um, it's, it, it, all this does is lead to chaos. We already have chaos with the transfer portal. We've allowed anybody to leave anytime they want for basically no rhyme or reason. And, 
you know, now you've in this pandemic year, you've not had a chance to really uh, research. You can't get on campus as much. Some kids, you're able to go on your own, but for the most part, it's, you you know less about them, and then I think it's going to lead to more transfer. So keep that in mind when you hear the rankings about this school and that school and this player. Um, take a look at the rosters of where these players are going two years from now and see how many of them are there and how many are transferring. I mean, you know, we get it's it's great. At Alabama, you know because of how Alabama does it, for the most part, how Clemson does it, for the most part, how Ohio State does it, and a few others. They recruit well. They develop well. They retain pretty well. And the results show. A lot of other people, even some good ones, have a very good-looking signing day that just doesn't look as good down the road. Um, So I don't like – I think the calendar of college football – and maybe, um, not maybe, definitely, with my background in the NFL, I think this influences me. The NFL gets it right from a calendar standpoint. We used to have the draft. I don't know how many people know this. The draft used to be in February. There was, I mean, boom. You had the end of your season, which, by the way, the the Super Bowl used to be mid-January at the latest. And we used to have the draft end of end of January, NFL draft. Yeah. You know, now, obviously, the season's elongated. You've got, you know, instead of 14 games, you, you know, instead of 12 games, it went to 14, went, now it's 16, and we've got a 17-game, 17 17-week 17 season. The Super Bowl's in February. And then we have a couple of weeks. We have free agency period. Then we have kind of the lead up to the draft and, quite frankly, keeps the NFL on the calendar, on the front page of the sports page 12 months a year. I mean, it's really exciting to know kind of what things are going to happen and what decisions are going to be made. Um, it's it's a lot of work for people like myself that work in football, but it is very, very exciting and, and uh, interesting to follow. Well, college football, well, is not the NFL. There's, to me, if you're going to do certain things, I think there should be a better calendar. I think there should be, as I said, an early signing day in July or August. Then I think, um, have the season. And I think there should be a signing day in March. I think there should be a window where we have transfers. You want to transfer. Obviously you have to coincide with semesters and, um, and, and, um, you know, some, People are on a different clay. They're not in a semester. They're in quarters. I'm losing brain thought, uh, um, brain cramp on, on, uh, on quarters. But you can have a period where, okay, you know, I think personally there should be a committee just for evaluating transfer situations. And I think when they're legitimate, I think they should be a lot. And they should be, quote, unquote, a free agent less. And I think there should be an opportunity for – them to go on visits and decide where they want to transfer. They should be a period in which they can do that in the offseason. And then if there are any unusual circumstances like a sickness in the family that happens outside of that period, then I think there should be special circumstances to allow that to happen. But I think there should be more organization. Can Because we do have college football free agency, but it's kind of here or there and you never know. And 
those of you that are members of LandryFootball.com, you know that during the after the season's over. I mean, our notebooks every day are about so many guys that are looking at this and that and who's going to transfer, who's going to visit, who's going to stay. I mean, coming and going, it, 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 it doesn't slow down. It doesn't matter if it's May, June. I mean, it just, you know, March, April, May, it's just, just on and on and on. But I think there'd be more organization. And I think, could you imagine the first Wednesday in March where probably 60%, 70% of the players would sign, um, it would be, it would have almost an NFL draft-like feeling. Today, at this time of year, and I realize the season has been pushed back, but even in a normal year, you know, we've, um, we've set up, normally what you see, you set up the playoffs. We'd normally have that set as opposed to this coming Sunday. It would have been last Sunday. But you're getting ready, and you know the bowl matchups are there, and then we throw in signing day, and you got bowl preparation and signing day. It just it doesn't, it it's not good for the overall. Um, I think the news cycle of the sport, but that's the way I feel. Um, I think that um, we saw last night with the rankings. Um, no surprises. Obviously, the same things took place. Um, pretty interesting, isn't it, Cincinnati? Um, that's a team that, despite the fact that they hadn't played a tough schedule, that's a team that looks pretty good to me. To see them drop and to not have them play last week, pretty clear that they've kind of set the stage. The committee had, well, not that it's a surprise that they have no chance of getting in. Uh, and and they just kind of moved them out, uh, even the conversation. So if there is chaos, they are not going to be part of it. Going to go into a great bowl and be a lot of fun for that program, but it's not going to be quite the same. So look, I, um, how does it look now? It's a, is it as expected um, with Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, Ohio State? Then you've got uh, AM at five. Maybe to some people, surprise, Iowa State at six. What does it all mean? Well, uh, and we'll get into the previews of the games, but, you know, I think Alabama will will beat Georgia. Uh, um, it will beat Florida. I am all over the place. I've got recruiting thoughts on my mind and a lot of things. Alabama, I think, will beat Florida decisively. I think Clemson will win potentially decisively against Notre Dame, but we'll see. And I think, um, I think what will end up happening is it'll be – Alabama one, Clemson two, and I think it'll Ohio State three, and Notre Dame four. I, I the film tells me that Notre Dame looks like the fourth best team, um, and I think what they're going to do is certainly make sure that they don't have Clemson Notre Dame in a semifinal. Um, and I think they're, you know, I. I I think what they're also going to want to do is they're going to want to say, you see, we got, without saying it, they're going to say, well, Ohio State's three. So, see, there was no real debate about who who the fourth team was, you know, because they'll take, let's say, a Notre Dame team and put them down at four and then put Ohio State at three. And that'll that'll create the matchup of Clemson-Ohio State and then the the best team, Alabama, against Notre Dame. Now, if they there could be chaos, no question. If Florida were to pull a, a big upset, and it would be a big upset in my mind, then it puts AM in the picture. Um, what would happen there? Um, 
uh, how far would it drop? Uh, and what would be real interesting is if, um, you know, Clemson were to beat Notre Dame, then, you know, how far does it put, uh, I think they would probably go ahead with a loss. They would probably put Alabama down to three, even though they may not be three. I think they would avoid an Alabama A&M matchup. Um, and I, you know, I think that's part of the optics of what they don't want. If Alabama wins, they don't really want A&M in there. And there's no justification to put A&M three. Um, if, if Clemson were to lose and A&M goes in, they're, they're in a pickle as the committee because then they're having to put a, an Alabama um, A&M game that just doesn't appeal. But even though that game was early in the year and things changed, Alabama's gotten a lot better too. So, uh, look, I, there there could be chaos. I mean, the chaos could be Florida could beat Alabama. Um, Clemson could lose to Notre Dame. Clemson could decisively – what if Clemson decisively beats Notre Dame? I don't agree that Notre Dame's got it locked in. I think it needs to be competitive. I think if they get beat, you know, 45 to 10, I, I don't know that, I don't know how that would play up, but I don't anticipate any of that, but it's going to be, uh, going to be real interesting. I'm going to get to kind of the breakdowns here in a bit. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, a couple of things on my mind from last week and then get into conference championship games. Again, a reminder, a lot of the coaching search stuff over at LandryFootball.com. All the recruiting stuff's over at LandryFootball.com. Let's get to some of your questions. Um, appreciate Spartan Martin cheering us on 100 bucks, and he says, you're only getting 25% of the experience if you're not watching live. We appreciate that. Um, uh, and uh, says all the members of the family, yep, appreciate it. Got good people behind the scenes. Um, thank you for your support. Um Let's see. What is the best way to tell a player whether a player's success in high school would translate to the next level? Uh, it's a loaded question, uh, but like I do when talking about players in college transloading to the NFL, I do something and I, I have it uh, up on the website that's a lot more detailed. It's critical factors for each position. And it's not like people think it's just like in the draft people will say things like well this guy's got this completion percent this guy's you know caught this many yards and ran with this many yards and this many sacks that's not what you're looking for what you're looking for is the skill set and the critical factors that generates that production so you have to study the tape and how real is that production meaning you know you can you can, in a, in a, I'll just break it down into one game. You could have a player not get one sack in a game and still have a better pass rush day than somebody who has six sacks in a game. Who you're doing it against, um, you know, how they're blocking you. I mean, a lot of guys come free and get, get free runner stuff as opposed to guys that really push the pocket creates double teams, create opportunities, create pressure. So the stats don't tell you even half the story. And so what you're looking for is the skill set. And that that would take me a lot of time to go through every position. But what you're looking for and the critical factors of up on LandryFootball.com. For, so you're looking at, you know, 
for example, an offensive lineman. You'd like a guy that's a natural uh, knee bender that can bend it, uh, not from the waist, but at the knees. It's good athletic traits. Um, I, I don't care about being a finished product. That's what you have to do. You have to develop guys. But I look at uh, a guy's, you know, football character, personal character, all those things matter. They matter a great deal. Uh, they got to stay in school. They got to work hard. Um, those things are above and beyond just the football ability. You know, there are a lot of guys that are graded very high and they're really, really good and they should be great players and they end up being flops. If you don't want it and you don't work hard and it comes natural to you and you play it because you're good at it, but you don't have a desire to be great, you're not going to live up to your star ranking or any ranking. So you've got to delve down deep into that, whether it's a draft prospect or recruiting prospect. But, you know, like from a quarterback standpoint, uh, let's take that. Yeah, arm strength is important. You can improve that to some degree. Um, You can improve an understanding of the game. You can improve anticipation because that's learned, right? You can anticipate based upon experiences. One thing that's tough is do you have the ability to throw the ball accurately to spots? You may not throw it on time because you may not be able to anticipate or see it. You can improve that. It's tougher to improve accuracy. Now, there's some exceptions to that. If you don't have really good mechanics, you can improve that. But like uh, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have good mechanics. I mean, he doesn't throw with a good platform all the time. He just throws different arm angles, and he could get it. Just like, you know, a pitcher that throws it from different arm angles that hits the plate, some guys can't find the plate. They can throw it a ton, they can't find the plate. Well, those guys, you know, you can fix some technique, but for the most part, that's tougher to improve upon. You know, running backs, it's not about long speed. It's about explosiveness. So there are a lot of different things. But in general, it's going through the specific skill sets. Uh, we appreciate Jig Dags cheering us on 100. Appreciate that. Um, UGA having top three classes every year in the past four years, but having progressively worse seasons in that time period. Is that example for evaluation? Kirby Smart, no. Georgia's got really good talent, and they develop talent very well. The only thing they've struggled with is the quarterback play. That's held them back. Um, they're a better roster than Florida. They have proven to be better than Florida, by example. But this year, their quarterback situation killed them. It's hurt them a little bit in the past. It killed Georgia this year. If Georgia had a decent quarterback situation, you would have saw – the flaw and the difference in Georgia's abilities over Florida. Because Georgia is more talented than Florida. It's not coaching. It's the quarterback. And that's part of coaching. But the quarterback position is so important. If you're really, really good, you can't look at this is the flaw. Georgia's got more five stars than anybody that should be the best. Not if you don't have good quarterback play. Not if you don't have a good passing game. So you've got to see that, understand that. And they don't have that, and that's why they got blown out in two games that, you know, they've got comparable talent to Alabama, but far less at the quarterback position, far less in the passing game as a whole, receivers and whatnot. Florida, much better quarterback situation. And they got, Florida got their style of game going, and they beat Georgia. Um if Georgia gets their quarterback situation in the passing game fixed up, then it'll go back to edge Georgia and Florida is going to have to clean some things up 
on the defensive side, running game, and all those things, which I think both are capable. I have felt for a while that Florida, Georgia, both of those teams have top three national potential in terms of their abilities, but neither one of them are, are there. Florida is not there overall as a program. Dan's got to recruit at the same level that Kirby is, and he's got to continue to do a good job with the offense. And I know you've heard me, but Sport Morton, I think some of the things that even manifest itself all throughout the year and really kind of really were exposed against LSU, that needs to be cleaned up from an overall standpoint. Kirby has got some issues to clean up. So, look, Kirby Smart, Dan Mullen, they're both great coaches, but they both have flaws, and that's why they're both good, but they're not great. And uh, who's better? Well, we're going to see over time who's better because we're going to see who's going to fix their area that and shore up the areas that they're not as good in. I know Florida fans don't think Kirby Smart is the same as Mark Rick. People who think that just don't watch football or don't understand football because the reason why Georgia is falling short is quite a bit different than why they were falling short against um, um, with Mark Rick. That's like saying, uh, boy, uh, Dan Mullen coached a game that you would expect out of Jim McElwain. Well, that's not really fair. It's, it maybe was true in a one-game setting, but that is not indicative of what it's been under Dan. So I, I think you got to look big picture, and it's always difficult emotionally from a fan standpoint. But I, I think the future is good for both. And I don't know that, that uh, you know, this whole thing that Florida now is better, you get that narrative now. Not, not you, Spartan Martin, but uh, others, have, and maybe you feel this way and I, that all oh, Florida's passed up Georgia. and um, No, they haven't. They won this year. Um, that's all it means. That's like, you know, LSU thinking they passed up Alabama because they won the title last year. No, they won the title last year. They've not passed up anybody. Time will tell. And let's say over the next five years, we're going to see who's better. And I think it's going to be an awfully fun race. Let's see. Let's get to some other thoughts and questions. Spartan Martins. Why would Texas A&M not be in the playoffs due to a blowout loss against Alabama early in the season? but a blowout loss by Notre Dame to Clemson at the end of the season would not keep Notre Dame out of the playoffs. I didn't say that. I said if Notre Dame got blown out by Clemson, then I think that would be maybe a, a, a scenario where Notre Dame wouldn't get in. The reason why they would get in is because Notre Dame beat Clemson. And Notre Dame beating Clemson, even without Trevor Lawrence, is probably as impressive as anything – as AM has done. Look, the the loss by Florida this past week devastated Florida, but it hurt Notre, it hurt AM too. AM um now beating Florida doesn't look as impressive with Florida losing to LSU. So it is debatable. And I do think if Notre Dame gets blown out by Clemson, I do think that is going to be really iffy. And I just said it. I don't know that Notre Dame would make it. I don't. I really don't. I think that would be an interesting discussion and one the committee wouldn't want to have to deal with, I don't think. Um, so I, I think it is up for debate there. Uh, Two-loss conference champ, Florida, or two-loss conference champ, uh, Iowa State. Who gets in the playoffs and why? Um, well, neither one are in a position, I think, to get in, but 
Florida would have to beat Alabama. That would be the most impressive win all year. And while the loss to LSU is bad, look, Iowa State lost to Louisiana Lafayette. So of those two, um, Florida, in my opinion. Now, right now, Iowa State's ahead. So, But people have to understand that that's based upon what it is now. Neither one of those teams have won the conference. If in the scenario you said Iowa State would would beat Oklahoma and win the Big 12 and Florida would beat Alabama and win the SEC, of those two, Florida would get the edge. Uh, is Auburn picky when it comes to finding a coach? Rich, they're very picky. It is about who is directly tied to the key boosters. Check out LandryFootball.com for the profile on their Auburn job and who likely going to get it. Uh, ha ha. I did have some McElwain flashbacks against um, last week. I have. Do you think JT Daniels make Georgia? Yes, I do. It's too late, but I think it, if a healthy JT Daniels, an improved passing game might've made the game against Alabama more competitive, but lost. I think it would have given Georgia more balance to possibly beat Georgia, uh, to beat uh, Florida. Don't know that. Look, that's uh, no do-overs, but there's no question that JT Daniels this year makes Georgia better. But they're – look, the reality is they they got blown out in two games, and they really – the optics don't look good. And I do think when you watch Georgia, they look better on tape. But again, you can't take away, but for the quarterback, quarterback's the most important position on the field. The passing game's really important. So if you don't do those things well, then you don't deserve to be there. Look, it's, it's one of those things. It's like the people that are complaining about, well, at least they played in this game and at least they're doing the, I get it. I get the whole argument of this year. But you have a chance to play and compete. You've got, you know, normally twelve games. This year, you got whatever games you got, and you got to go out and prove it. Um, some have not had as many games. They're no fault of their own. The ones that have had more games, yes, more chances for you to to lose. You know, um, look, I mean, it's kind of like, and and I know. Uh, People have brought this out, and I know it's 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 a moot point here. But like, let's take Florida and Ohio State. Um, Ohio State didn't have to play as many games, so thought, well, if they would have canceled Florida LSU, Florida would be in better position. Well, it's also a tougher road for Florida because they got to go through Alabama. The only people that's got to go through Alabama that's outside of the SEC, you, you you only have to go through them in the national playoffs. So it's a tougher road. Well, that's not fair. I get it. Life's not fair. It's not a, always about fair. But you also have that opportunity. So in other words, if Florida had if Florida had taken care of business against AM, if they had taken care of business against LSU, um, they would be in a position where they would be in the playoffs, whether they lost Alabama or not. They they would be in that position. Um and and 
you could make a strong case for a one-loss Florida that lost to Alabama in the SEC championship, they would be in. It, let's just take two teams because we don't – I mean, we go through always scenarios of who's in, who's out. But let's say Clemson and Notre Dame and Alabama, and then it's Ohio State, Florida. Well, Florida would be in as a one-loss runner-up in the SEC, would get in over a 6-0, and 7-0 Ohio State Big Ten champ. They would um, because – they would have shown it on the field, and it's not just about that they won, but you would have to beat really good teams, and I think that certainly – so Florida had the opportunity. Now, they didn't take advantage of it. They didn't beat AM. They didn't beat LSU. So they had their chance, and they didn't get it done. Ohio State had – didn't have to have as many games, but the games that they had, they took care of. And week schedule, I get it. But – um, look, I'm not, um, everybody looks at different ways to go about making the case for the playoffs and how you do it. Those of you that listened to me before, those of you haven't find out that I'm, I'm big with the coaching and scouting background, how it looks on film, how they play, not projecting, but, but about how you actually do it. And then there's always projecting. I mean, if you're picking four, you're projecting in our current system. Um, people believe, and I think we're going to go there one day where we're going to just take conference champions. Okay. It gives everybody a chance. Not everybody's going to have an easier path. You're going to have people complain about that. I cannot believe that so-and-so got in and that conference and look how weak that conference is. They're not one of the best, but they get in only because in the week, you're going to hear that. Not going to satisfy people. There's no perfect way. Currently, some people think we don't have enough teams. I think my way of doing it has always been, all right, you've got the season, you've had the season. Let's have the bowl season. So what, what we'd be doing right now, getting ready right now for this, we'd have uh, probably a week and we'd be getting ready for next week. Right around when you're getting ready to open presents and have your Christmas parties, you'd have some really big-time bowl games in December with good versus good, and then you pick the four teams after the January 1st bowl games. You'd answer some of these arguments. Not all of them. You're always going to have issues, but the teams that truly have had the best seasons, you can separate them with this team hadn't played this difficult schedule, but they look good. This team's, you know, you can match that up. But there's – you know, say, well, there's no reason to play the games. Of course there's a reason to play the games. But you can't you can't assume, but you have to do the best job of making your best judgment. And it's it's not a fair or a good system. Um if every team uh, if Madness happens this weekend and every team comes away with a loss, I'd love to see a playoff with Bama. Notre Dame or Clemson, Ohio State, and Georgia it might be the most balanced playoff in history. Yeah, well, again, Georgia's out, and again, Georgia could be good, but um, that's that's not much of that. But I get your point. Um, I think we'd be very surprised by the results year after year with an 18 playoff. Well, and there again, and it's one of those things we'll say, yeah, you know, so you play in a tough league, you have to go through the gauntlet, let's say, of the SEC. And, you know, we're going to have years where 
there's going to be a conference that's really weak, really mediocre, and they're going to get a, you know, in and all of a sudden, yeah, you know, do you want this to be more like March Madness and less about the regular season? Look, there are different arguments with it. I absolutely get it, and um, that's the way it is. All right, let's get into some thoughts. Um, on the conference championship games, a little bit of a look at things that we needed to uh, to look at from last week um, that just jumped off of the page at me. What uh, starts with Florida, I've kind of gone over that good bit, but their lack of preparation and lack of focus, lack of attention to detail and preparation, obviously, for, for LSU was not very good, and it's kind of cost them – and I don't think they have any real argument or any right to argue now after that performance. You get so many chances, you take them when they come. And again, they had an opportunity in a game they should have won and they didn't take care of it. Um, and it's, it's the shoe, it's the lack of discipline, but it's the issues leading up to the preparation or lack thereof that clearly was not sufficient. Uh, there's been some talk about USC and how do they look? I have watched USC. They continue to look very average and find a way to come back and win games. Um, I thought UCLA outplayed them and no, they are not in the top 10. And I don't think, um, they are deserving of being in the top 10. Um, thought, um, the performance by Miami was one of the more disappointing defensively. What an awful, awful defensive performance. And look, tackling in space, fundamental stuff was was really bad, uh, really interesting. Um, Virginia, Virginia Tech was interesting, but it was it was not what you. It was a pretty good week, um, but not a great week. All right, so we're getting into this week with the conference championships. We've kind of talked about. What um, what I think is going to happen? Let's let's get into some of why. First of all, we've got some cancellations right now. We've got a Friday slate, which we've got a little matinee game currently. Nebraska Rutgers, and I always put a let's see, let's hope because um, we don't know that that's going to hold up. Indiana, Purdue, Michigan, Iowa have been canceled, so uh, we're we're getting to the point now too, where a lot of it is, um, is trying to protect the players and what many consider a meaningless games. By the way, let me answer this. Rich, uh, coach says Boston college chose not to play in the bowl game. Could you see teams not play in bowl games because of the college playoffs? Could you see teams not playing, not play in bowl games because of the college playoffs? Now though, we're we're going to have a lot of teams, a lot more than BC. SMU's backed out. We're going to have um, a lot of teams back out. First of all, it's not going to be a bowl experience. When you play bowl games this year, all it is is going to be Team A and Team B at a neutral site. It's like a road game for both teams. They're going to go in the night before, get in, play a game, and leave. There's none of the bowl experiences. There were no gatherings, no, you know, um, t- 
typical, uh, they usually have events and uh, what's my word? Not, not meals, but big productions of, you know, um, uh, you know, buffets and get togethers and not parades, but parties and all of those things. None of that is going to take place. And a lot of what we're getting a lot of is look, it's been a tough season and the bowl game is essentially going to be just a road game, as I mentioned. And just so you know, very few bowl games you actually make money on. When you travel, the travel expense kind of eats up what you're going to make. And so you know, you think, well, they're going to go play in a bowl game for the money. You're not making any money if you go into these smaller bowl games. Again, you, it may cost you a little money to pay for your support staff to go. This year, that wouldn't be the case, but it would be a break-even proposition. I think most coaches that I talk with, they feel their players and them, they want the season in. It has been a grind. It's been more, it's been stressful. It's been testing all the time, and they're tired of it. They're just, they, you know, I think everybody's kind of moving on. Now, no, that doesn't apply to the playoff games, and it will not apply to the the uh, the 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 top tier bowl games not in the playoffs. So, like, I guarantee you, Cincinnati wants to go play in a New Year Six game. That was that was the the phrase that was um uh got by me. I lost track of um, New Year Six games. Absolutely, they're going to want to play those, uh, but a lot of them are going to be canceled. Folks, I don't know. I've got I've got a look, and and um, I'm kind of looking at uh, games. SMU had agreed to play in a bowl game. They backed out, and I, I again I don't know how many of them are going to. We don't have a whole lot uh, left. A lot less than we we've had a number of the bowl games that are canceled, and then now we're going to see certain teams back out. So the ones that don't. Um, you, the, the the ones that don't back out of a bowl game, I mean, I, some of those games are not going to be really good and teams are not going to be really good. So, look, I don't know, um, and I was thinking about this, I don't know and I would think by, you know, next week, by this weekend, we're going to know what teams are going to opt out of a bowl game or are in, and we're going to know which bowls are going to just opt out of having it or in. So I think by, I mean, I think by Sunday, Monday, it's going to be definite. Um, we normally, it's all definite, the bowl matchups by Sunday night. But I think by Sunday, if you're going to cancel your bowl game, you probably will already do it. If you're going to decide not to play in it, you're probably going to already do it. But what if you decide to play in a bowl game? And what if the bowl game is scheduled to take place? But what if there's some issues that, that happen a week or two from now? We could see those bowl games get canceled down the road. So there's, there's no certainty on that. So it's, it's going to be chaotic and a mess. So let's take a look. We've got the PAC 12 championship game, which will amount to USC playing Oregon because of Washington's inability to be able to play it due to lack of players that are healthy. Um, it will, can be an unbeaten season and a, I guess another reason to bring Clay Helton back for a year. Although I think that is kicking the can down the road, but not enough games, not enough games against good opponents, certainly. Um, we'll see, USC, um, if they're able to finish this off. Ohio State, 
North Northwestern will open up Saturday early. I don't see. I, I've tried to look at this and create a scenario where this might be a good game, and I really can't. Ohio State is not only a lot better, but Ohio State is going to be motivated to make a statement, make their case, if you will, uh, remove any doubt, whatever the phrase is. I think they win. I think they win big. I think the most intriguing game, not the the result and what it's going to mean, but the most intriguing game matchup is Iowa State Oklahoma. I think uh, I think Oklahoma's better. I think they've got they're better defensively than been the past few years. But I like this Iowa State team. I like their toughness. I like their ability at the line of scrimmage, run the football, tight end play. I think this game can be really competitive and a lot of fun. I'm curious to see um, how A&M shows out against Tennessee in a non-conference championship game. Um, they were not dominant against LSU. And, of course, maybe the what they lost in style points by beating Florida, maybe they gained a little bit by not dominating um, LSU. We'll see. I think – Anything shorter than the beatdown against Tennessee is not optically um, all that uh, impressive. And, again, if you're on the outside looking in, I don't know that it makes a difference because I think they're going to need somebody to lose to get in. If somebody loses, I think they'll get in. But, you know, if they play around and they really struggle, look bad, then that opens the door for potentially a two-loss team, which has not happened in the playoff era. I know it happened in the BCS era. Let's – because a two-loss team's never gotten in does not mean that they can't get in if A&M doesn't play their way out of it. So I'm curious to see how they play it, how well they play it. And then Tennessee, I believe Jeremy Pruitt's coming back because Philip Former wants Jeremy Pruitt back. But if this is a colossal beatdown, is it going to cause Jimmy Haslam and crew to say, we got to make a move on Pruitt now? And, you know, there's a better, you know, and I think there's more respect between Pruitt and, and, uh, Jim Haslam. And, you know, I think those, that, that can be more workable, but that's one to watch if Tennessee's completely blown out. I, I I think he's coming back, but I don't think it's a definite, um, Sunbelt, Louisiana Lafayette, coastal Carolina. Louisiana Lafayette could make this game interesting. Colster's been really good. Uh, it's kind of a statement for for them. Um, Clemson, Notre Dame. Uh, it'll be on at the same time, a little bit of half an hour later, start 3 o'clock Central, 4 o'clock Eastern. Look, I, I look at a couple of things. I felt like Clemson in that first game was not as functional with their passing game, and therefore – I thought Notre Dame was able to play it very effectively at the line of scrimmage and didn't have to play from behind, didn't need as many explosive plays. Um, and I thought that was a different. And Ian Book made some outstanding plays when he absolutely had to. I think this game's going to be different just from a pure football standpoint. I think that the passing game is going to be more of a factor for Clemson. I think there's a chance for them to get a bit of a lead and then not that Notre Dame can't 
play from behind, but they will struggle being a pass-first team. They've got to run their pass game through the run game, and they can do that effectively. So as long as it's a one-possession game, two-possession at most, one-possession late, they've got a shot because Ian Book can make plays. They've got tight ends that can match up, big receivers, but they don't get open. They're, again, Notre Dame is a better version of a but they're similar in style. Better quarterback play, more consistent quarterback play, and a little bit more complete, but but along the same lines. So I don't think this game will be the same because I think Clemson will be a little bit more explosive, and I think it's going to be tougher for Notre Dame to come from behind. The other thing is Clemson's got that chip on their shoulder. They Clemson has to win, and they got to win. And all they need to do is win, win ugly one point, doesn't matter, they're in. But I think they also, you know, you put Notre Dame in us and everybody, you know, because they'll say everybody's counted us out. Nobody's counted Clemson out, but that's what they'll say. And they're going to be really motivated to kind of make a statement. And so you got a highly motivated Clemson team with more explosiveness. I, I think Clemson wins. I would be very surprised if Notre Dame wins. And again, things happen in games, injuries, things that change the course of the game than you ever for uh, that that could ever foresee going into it. But I think Clemson wins, and I think the only issue is does Clemson win in a blowout? That's my view on it. Boise, San Jose State in the Mountain West Conference game. Like Boise here, like their play at the line of scrimmage, the run game, their defense a little bit better. But San Jose State, Brett Brennan, great story, good team, good job this year. I'm excited to watch that. Cincinnati, Tulsa, I think Cincinnati takes care of business. I think this Cincinnati team's really good. I don't, this is another case of the film shows them being better, and you only can play who you play. And um, I think they're really good. I think they're good. I, I think. They could line up with Iowa State and play with Iowa State, and I think that'd be a good game, a close game. I think moving them down to nine is a slap in the face to the group of five and who you are, and this is what we do. And uh, I, I think they take care of Tulsa, but Tulsa's tricky. Tulsa will give them um, a test. I just think Cincinnati will be up to the task. And then, of course, um, Alabama, Florida. Look, um, here's – the difficulty of making a case for Florida in a normal circumstance, you just say, well, Florida is going to be angry. They're going to bounce back. They're embarrassed. You know, they're going to be tough. They're good. And when they're on, they're really good. Maybe this is a game where they come out of the gates playing well from the start. They haven't done that pretty much at any time during this year, but they're going to have a good defensive effort. They're going to come out the gate and play well. And Alabama's going to take them lightly. And that's how you do it. Really? Alabama doesn't take anybody lightly. Alabama plays to their standard. There's no way they're going to take Florida lightly. In fact, the loss last week is going to be absolute. The, the, the game plan motivation-wise for Nick, going into this week's game is look is how good this Florida team the team is. They only lost one game. They gotten better and better. They can come in here and embarrass you. They look like LSU last year. That was his motivation. Now 
that Florida struggled, his motivation is going to be to his team. You saw what happened to Florida. They weren't ready to play LSU, and you saw what happened to them. That's what's going to happen to you if you're not ready to play. Alabama is better. They're they're great at quarterback. They're even better at receiver. Um, they've got a running game. They've got a great offensive line. Florida doesn't have either of those two things. Alabama's defense has really gotten better. Florida has not. Situationally at times, yes, but overall not. Alabama's just a better team. They're better coached. They're better motivated. They're better focused. They're better everything. They really are. I mean, you could make a case that Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts, when they're on, they can they can play with anybody in the country, including Alabama. But and there are other guys that can make plays when Pitts is on the field. But you know, I think they can have some success if they're on point offensively, which I expect them to get back on track. I think they can score some points against Alabama. I don't think they can score enough, and I think Alabama can shorten this game with the run game. And uh, so I just I can't come up with a scenario. Look, I was watching it. Look, this slate tells me that there's not going to be a lot of intrigue. I, I don't know how many good games out of this this group there's going to be. I mean, I see a lot of decisive wins. I hope they're fun. I hope they're interesting. I hope they're close. Like last week, I didn't think LSU Florida would be really good. As I'm watching it, I'm watching it thinking one thing, and all of a sudden it's one hell of a game. I mean, I hope we have some of that this week to where there's intrigue. It's always fun. It's always the pressure of the moment. But, look, that's why we play it. We don't know. But that's how I see some of the games. That's the the games this weekend. Got some NFL games on Saturday. Bills, Broncos. Look out, Bills. That is uh, Saturday at 3.30. That's going up against, say, Clemson, Notre Dame as well. I'll have that on monitor six. And uh, see if Buffalo, who's looked really good, by the way, the Broncos are better at home. Buffalo making a move. Can they, could they be the most complete challenger to Kansas City, or is that still Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh's got some work to do. Tennessee, Indianapolis. I thought the Browns did a really good job. Couldn't quite finish. Get Cleveland, Baltimore. Folks, one of the things that I'm looking at right now in the NFL is that the AFC has a little bit more playoff caliber teams right now. Kansas City's the team to beat, likely going to have to go through Arrowhead. Remember, last year it went through Arrowhead only because Baltimore lost in the first round. So Baltimore had home field. The Chiefs have home field for as long as they can stay alive. Can Pittsburgh figure some things out with the run game? I, it's awfully late to be trying to figure it out. But that's what they have to do, or this is going to be a really good regular season that is going to come, you know, kind of struggling down the stretch. Uh, and again, Buffalo's playing well; they're getting healthier on defense. Um, that's that's maybe the most intriguing is who's number two, not just the seed, but who's the best. And then can Tennessee or Indianapolis both who've looked really good at times, um, and then Cleveland in Baltimore, uh, in a one-game scenario, is probably not going to be a lot of fun. In the NFC, it's Green Bay right now. They've got the number one seed. It's theirs to lose. The Saints have opened it up. The Saints have the Chiefs this week. I don't see them pulling the upset over the Chiefs. But then you look at it. I mean, you've got 
outside of those two, and I think it's probably going to be the Saints going to Lambeau if they can get that far. But the Rams have been inconsistent. Tampa's playing better now. Um, but you know, you, you that's the one team. You know, you wonder what they're going to look like in the playoffs because they're going to be defined by that Seattle. You know, you just that that West all of a sudden of the NFC, the Niners have are crippled. Arizona's cratered and struggled, and the Rams have been inconsistent. And Seattle doesn't look like prime time on the defensive side. So I don't see anybody in the West being the representative in the NFC. I think it's Green Bay with the one possible shot of New Orleans, and we'll see what Tampa can do. They got more playoff caliber teams, as I mentioned, over in uh, the AFC. So some of the key matchups this week, obviously, Kansas City, New Orleans, Cleveland. Giants, the Giants, the Redskins in the East. Going to be interesting. New England, Miami. I think Miami is a better team right now. Uh, Seattle going to Washington. Washington again in that position in the NFC East. Uh, I don't like the chances of anybody doing any damage from the NFC East, but winning it still uh, a, a key um, component in this. And I'm very curious in the matchup on Thursday night of uh, Los Angeles, Chargers against the Raiders and uh, kind of see the Raiders have really struggled defensively making the move away from ball Gunter. Um, let's uh, get to a couple of questions here. What do Miami fans have to look forward to next season with Kim leaving? I don't know that Eric D.R. King is leaving. Um, he's got an option to come back and is considering it. I don't know. Um, Jig's dad, I'm depressed and done with Dino. Am I right? Or would you give him more time if you were the AD? I'd make the move if I were them. I would go and make a huge offer and convince Lance Leopold that this is the place to be and this is what we've got planned, yada, yada, yada. I think he's a good fit for Illinois. I think he's a good fit. I think he's a fast-track guy that probably can do better than Syracuse right now, to be honest with you. I don't think Dino's the answer. They're going to give him more time. Uh, I think it's a money issue. I think it's a little bit of an identity issue. I think they need somebody that can really shake things up. They've got to go out and recruit and sell kids that look, you know, you're not selling Northeast kids and playing in the big East. You're selling, which is, it was an easier league. Now you got more teams in the ACC and you're trying to sell them against, you know, playing against um, <laughs> schools that really, I mean, I know you got Pitt there. I know you got BC there, but you've got to look at some of those trends. Pitt can go in in their backyard and get kids BC, uh, that's the that's the program that they've got to find, you know, their niche there. I think it's difficult. I think it's tough. I think you're seeing Colorado trying to find their niche because they can't really go into Texas anymore where they recruited when they were in the Big 8 and the Big 12. Now, you know, it's like, well, we're not going to see our kids and, you know, uh, you've you're got to go strictly to California now, I think. I think Syracuse has got to make some inroads into into not only getting top kids in the Northeast, but they've got to make inroads in other places. And right now, that's not a knit program, and that's that's difficult. What are your thought on Indiana season? You think they'll end up with the New Year's Six Bowl? You're surprised they weren't in the top ten? I think they're really good. I think they look like one of the top ten teams. They're really good. I think they can end up in one of those bowl games. I think Tom Allen is outstanding. He's done a great job. I think Clemson makes more plays on defense in this game compared to the first game, uh, very likely, particularly if they're making more plays defensively because they've got a lead. If if Notre Dame can play ball control, 
that can protect the ball better. If Notre Dame has to come from behind and throw it more, Clemson will make more plays defensively. Um, let's see. Uh, Florida has no defense. That's correct. And uh, so we appreciate you joining us. Hey, folks, uh, we appreciate um, you joining us, those of you in the chat room, as well as um, those of you that uh, are listening out there in podcast form. Um, we appreciate it. Send me your questions if you have them. Uh, certainly join us in the chat room with any questions. Uh, enjoy the weekend of football. Keep it at LandryFootball.com. If you are not yet joined us, check out our holiday savings special over at LandryFootball.com. You can get all information. For example, uh, recruiting right now, the top 300 players, scouting reports on them, where they're going. We're going to get you up to date on all the news and notes that are going on today in signing day. We're going to have previews of all the conference championship games of the weekend, all the NFL game breakdowns um, from the draft recruiting. We've got it all covered for you. One-stop shopping football. Uh, check it out. It's like having your own scouting department for less than a magazine subscription. Appreciate you joining us. Join us again uh, next time on another edition of Scouts Eye on College and Pro Football. Join me tomorrow for the Landry Football Podcast. Talk more football. Also, we'll be joining you on Thursday afternoon for SEC Football and Beyond with myself and Neil McCready. Appreciate you. Talk to you again next time, everybody. Have a great one. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.